with your spirit. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When the Magi had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going in search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night, and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod had died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go back to the land of Israel. For those who thought the child's life are dead. He rose, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea and the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go back there. And because he had been warned in a dream, he departed for the region of Galilee. He went and dwelt in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken to the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. This is the faithful remnant here today. You get extra credit. I think Deacon Chuck was anticipating the painting that's hidden down here in front of the pulpit. I was going to reveal it later, but I'm going to reveal it now first. Those of you who sat here chose the right seat. Of course, it's an interpretation of the flight into Egypt by the painter, French painter Merson from 1879. Yesterday, we celebrated Jesus' birth. Now we're hearing about the flight into Egypt, and soon we would read about him being a teenager, pre-teenager, and running off away from his parents. It's a very familiar gospel, isn't it? One that we talk about in terms of how the holy family interacts among themselves. I was lucky enough to find a website that had sort of uh, 
that Holy Family text in a slightly different way. It, it was almost as if there was a microphone present there in the Holy Family, and it captured their conversation. It went something like this. On finding Jesus after three days, his mother Mary said to him, Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking everywhere for you, and we were worried sick. And Jesus said to Joseph and Mary, Why are you looking for me? Mary answered, Why? Because you disappeared, left without a word. Who do you think you are, young man? Do you not know that I must be in my father's house? Your father's house? Your father's house? Your father's house is in Nazareth, and when you get there, don't plan on leaving it. Got it? After a pause, Joseph adds, Jesus, who are you? We'll never understand you. Sometimes, Jesus, you're a real pain. Mary nods in agreement. Do you realize how much you hurt your mother and me by disappearing? Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. I'll try harder to be a good son and do all my father tells me even if I don't like it. So in our readings, of course, we have Christmas, and then we have Jesus going into Egypt, and then Jesus becoming a teenager, all in the, the, the scope of a day. They sure grow up fast, don't they? You know, if we look at the holy family, and we look at families around us who are holy, sometimes we don't see them every day, but if we pause, and reflect back on their lives, then we see that what's really spiritual and holy about them becomes evident. I volunteer at Laguna Honda Hospital, and at the start of the pandemic, it shut down tight. No visitors, no volunteers, no programs, no exceptions. Family members who had visited weekly, some even daily, waited a year to see their loved ones again. I witnessed these visits as a volunteer chaperone. All the visits moved me, but one stood out. Two sisters came to visit their brother, who due to his medical condition made little or no response to their presence. The nurse wondered if he would even go outside to the picnic table where visits occurred because of COVID safety protocols. He went reluctantly and silently. The sisters sat at one end of the picnic table and he sat at the other. They chatted. They told family stories, and then after a few minutes, he reached his hand across the picnic table, took his sister's hand, and uttered one word, sisters. I witnessed many acts of devotion that characterized these families that I chaperoned during those first visits, but I will never forget that one word, sisters. If we think about the nativity scene and our crash over here, we have a certain vision of what it means. Here's a slightly different interpretation by Pastor Steve. He says, we grew up on stories of Jesus born in a stable, homeless and rejected, but that's not what Luke describes. Theirs was a family-centered culture. Joseph's kin would have welcomed him into their home the inn is a poor translation for what was really the upstairs guest room, overcrowded, of course, with kinfolk. 
The, man, the manger was not out in a stable, but in the lower room of the house where the animals were fed at night. Luke isn't portraying a baby born in the outskirts, but born among family, crowded, noisy, and probably festive. As an adult, Jesus spends a lot of time among the outcasts, the unfamilies, but his roots are in family. And so finding family among the marginalized isn't hereditary. It's a choice, much like God's choice to come and be with us, to dwell with us, to choose us as family. Maybe Christmas is about choosing family among whoever needs it. God, thank you for choosing us as your family. Help us to choose as wisely and as widely as you. And so that leads me into this story about Father Greg Boyle, who created Homeboy Industries in LA. It's the largest gang rehabilitation and reentry program in the world. Father Greg says this, at Homeboy Industries, we seek to dismantle aloneness and barriers that exclude. The kinship of Homeboy's beloved community is like Jiong, a, Christ a Korean virtue, meaning a deep connection and an emotional lasting bond that encourages generosity and understanding. People feel seen. It's not unlike Ubuntu in South Africa, which posits that our communal health is linked to the very thriving of everyone. These virtues shift our thinking, best described in an Irish saying, it is in the shelter of each other that people live. In each other's shelter, we can move beyond barricades of fear and seek our connection and exquisite mutuality in the beloved community. Like St. Joseph, Father Greg Boyle is truly a foster father of a holy family, reminding us that holy families are truly families of acceptance. We're often blind to see the holy families that surround us. And unfortunately, it's shocking or bad news that gets our attention and sharpens our focus, enabling us to see a holy family. When after a routine visit about a husband's concerning cough, a friend calls me and through her tears chokes out the diagnosis, stage four lung cancer, our eyes begin to open, and they watch as a devoted wife spends every day for the next three years making nourishing meals to counter the weight loss, ensures every doctor's appointment is kept, demands to know exactly what the best treatment options are, lobbies doctors and nurses to pay attention to her husband, questions why things are done, and enlists the help of family, friends, and neighbors and even strangers, to see that everything that can be done is done, and in the end, surrenders to the inevitable. Watching a holy family is sometimes a painful privilege, as a self-sacrificing wife reveals what holy truly is in family life. And you see very clearly the meaning of those words spoken long ago. I promise to be true to you, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. 
I brought this painting in today by uh, the painter uh, Luke Oliver Merson because it kind of, I think, captures a bit of the spirit of this weekend. The painting teaches us not to look so much at things that the world praises, but look into its corners, look into its shadows and peripheries at what the world does not want. It reminds us that what truly matters does not attract our attention, but requires us to discern and discover and appreciate it. For just like Joseph and Mary, it's often difficult to discover what truly matters to Jesus. Here is a story I read about what truly matters. I stand on a sidewalk in front of a three-story Victorian house in Syracuse, New York. Michael DeSalvo and Nick Orth are outside to greet me. They purchased the home in the early 90s as they started their life together. At that time, they did not know that this house would one day serve as more than their home. They had no idea that over the next several years, dozens of people would spend their final days there alongside them as they discovered what truly mattered. Nick and Michael opened their home to people dying from AIDS in 1992. They were responding with mercy to a crisis that at the time showed no signs of slowing. They told me about the first person to move in, a man named David. A mutual friend had asked Michael, a talented hairstylist, to visit David, who was homebound, and to give him a haircut. When Michael arrived, he encountered what was becoming an all-too-familiar scene. David was wasting away, lying on the floor, unable to clean or feed himself. He told Michael that friends and volunteers would bring food by when they could. The rest of the time, he was on his own. He could not cope. Do you want to come home with me? Michael blurted out. And Joseph asked the pregnant Mary, do you want to come home with me? And when David accepted the invitation, Michael felt God's presence. This is what he and Nick were being called to do. When you take care of people who are dying, a lot of the pretense is gone. We just love them and treat them with kindness and respect and give them dignity. The one thing I have confidence in is that God loves me, Michael said. If we're expressing love and we're expressing kindness, that is what truly matters. That is what creates a holy family. This past year, we reflected on the person of St. Joseph in the Holy Family, and we see that he's a central element in the history of salvation, although as the painting reflects, he's marginal, discreet, in the background. We don't even notice him. Joseph lives his role without ever seeking to take over the scene. And Pope Francis reflected on his example like this. Our lives are woven together and sustained by ordinary people, people often overlooked, people who do not appear in newspapers and magazine headlines. How many fathers, mothers, grandparents, aunts and uncles are showing us in small ways and everyday ways how to accept and deal with this crisis by adjusting our routine, looking ahead and encouraging the practice of prayer. How many are praying, making sacrifices and interceding for the good of all? And so we might pray a holy family prayer. 
St. Joseph, you who guarded the bond with Mary and Jesus, help us to care for the relationships in our lives that bind us together. May no one experience that sense of abandonment that comes from loneliness. Let each of us be reconciled with our own history, with those who have gone before, and recognize even in the mistakes made, a way through which providence has made its way present, and evil did not have the last word. Show yourself to be a friend of those who struggle the most, and as you supported Mary and Jesus in difficult times, support us too on our journey. This Christmas season is no time for stumbling in the dark. Our light has come. It's time to open our eyes, pay attention, and learn to recognize and praise the faith of those holy families that live in our neighborhood, in our city, and in our world. It is time to be about the Father's work, to be a holy family.